Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Events with Benefits, a podcast designed to help nonprofit organizations raise more money and achieve greater success at their fundraising events. My name is Danny Hooper. I'm a professional fundraising auctioneer from Canada, always happy to come down to Southern California to Laguna Hills, where we, uh, uh, where we record uh, this, uh, this podcast. We're at the world headquarters of Winspire. And uh, I'm joined today by my co-hosts, Renee Zhao from Donation Match and the Vice President of Marketing with uh, Winspire, uh, Ian Loth. But Renee, we had an interesting guest on today, and uh, this was the very first time we talked to somebody all the way in Switzerland. Yeah, so Tom Houston is doing some really interesting things in the fun run and 5K space. He, uh, you know, his concept bridges the gap and actually takes out the risk for any nonprofits who have ever wanted to do a 5K, but not necessarily been able to stomach the cost and logistics of it. Um, You know, it's a great way to uh, think about how you might be able to even partner with other organizations in your communities. Yeah, he had some really uh, interesting insights, and his idea is absolutely brilliant. Um, He talks about a lot of the risks associated with having these 5K races and these fun runs, which are definitely gaining a lot of traction out there right now as an alternative way to raise funds for an organization. But uh, they come with a lot of risk attached, and uh, he addressed that very well. Yeah, you know, Tom is actually, he's been such a big mover in this space that he has been recognized by the UN. Actually, that's the reason why he was over there in Switzerland today for this interview is he's working with uh, just outside the U.S. He's making uh, even bigger connections globally uh, to take this platform and this model uh, for, you know, these these big fun run races. And, you know, we've had another interview about these 5K races. Uh, like Renee said, this is just a way for uh, you to still pull in a ton of money other than that uh, that charity auction gala or that golf tournament, uh, but involve in a, in a, a local race within your city with other nonprofits. So it's a fascinating model. Definitely stay tuned for this. Well, I'm a fundraising auctioneer, so I don't like to hear that there's not uh, an auction component attached to this, but I'm also a runner. So I'm really interested to hear what Tom Houston has to say. Well, this is a pretty exciting episode of Events with Benefits. Uh, In the past, we've talked to uh, lots of people, it seems, in the San Diego area, primarily because uh, San Diego region is such a uh, hub and a hotspot of nonprofit organizations, and a lot of the great new ideas uh, that we hear about come out of the Southern California region, of course, where there are so many events going on. Today, on today's episode, we go all the way to Switzerland. I can't believe it, to talk to Tom Houston. And Tom uh, is the founder and CEO of a company called Everyone. And first of all, Tom, what the heck are you doing in Switzerland? Uh, well, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, we are working on some pretty exciting stuff with the United Nations right now. Um, my uh, Everyone company uh, two years ago started this concept that when everyone contributes, everyone wins. And We created a uh, fundraising platform where we offer the endurance space, basically running events, uh, to the nonprofit community in any particular city and allow them to sign up and use the event on a white label basis for their own benefit. So it's a bit of an aggregation model in that, uh, you know, events are very expensive to put on, especially running events if you're going to shut down streets and, and really have a nice race course that is great for the runners. Um, you know, a lot of nonprofits try to do 
5K charity runs, but they get into it thinking that it's easy money and don't realize how much work it is and how difficult it is to actually produce one. So we did an aggregation model where we thought, why don't we produce these events and then let any nonprofit that wants to participate sign up and do so and, and use it for their own benefit. So really the only thing the nonprofit has to do is to engage with their supporters, which is what they are doing every day anyhow. But they don't have to worry about all of the event logistics. They don't have to pull permits. They don't have to deal with the staff time and the financial risk associated with producing events. And uh, so we started this in 2015. And interestingly, interestingly enough, the United Nations in 2015 were successful in getting every single country on the planet to sign up to the Sustainable Development Goals Initiative, which is 17 pillars, all of which are vital for the survival of uh, the human race on this planet going forward. And every country on Earth pledged their commitment to that program. And through good fortune, I uh, met some gentlemen uh, that are based here out of the Geneva office who got wind of what we were doing in San Diego, uh, because everyone is headquartered in San Diego. Um, and, and there seemed to be a uh, conceptual fit. And so the discussion we're having right now is about having the everyone model be integrated into a much bigger program uh, around supporting the SDGs with the UN on a multi-city global basis starting in 2018. Wow, that's so, a pretty short window. <laughs> well, we won't we won't tackle 100 cities in the first in the first bite, but uh, we'll, we'll build the program over a few years. You know, we've done a lot of uh, episodes of our events with benefit podcast and I think what what uh, we always find so intriguing is that the best ideas are always the simple ideas. And certainly the idea you've created here, it sounds simple. It certainly sounds logical. What type of success are you experiencing with, uh, with everyone? Well, we, uh, so we started in, conceptually, we started in 2014. We actually launched the uh, company in 2015. And uh, it took us a little more than a year to actually get our uh, permits and our uh, dates uh, sorted out with um, the city of San Diego. And so even though we've been in existence now for two years, we've only actually delivered one event. So our inaugural kickoff event was last December um, in San Diego. And uh, we were ecstatic about the success of it because it basically validated our model. Uh, we had... 13 hand-selected nonprofits. that was our beta test. And out of the total uh, participant group, we averaged, averaged a 14x return on investment for the participant organizations. So for every dollar they spent, they got $14 back. Wow. And, and we averaged $121 raised per runner. Um, so th those are our, our two... Uh, proof of concept statistics that I can share with you. When we look so at measurements and when we talk measurements and uh, look at that matrix, what uh, what is typical or average for these fun run events as far as a uh, return per runner? You did $121. What would the industry average be? Here? Well, the industry average would be that you will lose money on these events until they're at least three years old. Wow. So in your and, inaugural, you were up 121 on the end of the black. 
Well, I'm I'm speaking now from the point of view of a of a of a average nonprofit. Yeah. Um, keep, keep in mind that there's only probably 10% of nonprofits in the country, and that's probably being generous. You know, that actually have the staff and the financial resources to take on the risk of producing a running event. Right. Wow. Everybody everybody knows about how successful you know Komen is with their you know activity and. You know, and there's several other big ones that have been able to have a sustained program for many years. But, um, you know, you've got to get OK. If you're running in a park, it's different. But if you are really shutting down streets, I mean, you've got to get to 2000, 2500 runners just to break even on one of these things. Now, you, you can't do it for less than fifty, sixty thousand dollars of hard cost. And that doesn't count the staff time. Uh, that it takes to actually, you know, go through this. And like, you know, like I said, we were getting started and, and we're all like, you know, many decade sports marketing people with lots and lots of experience. It still took us about 15 months to get our dates with the city of San Diego, you know, to be able to close down streets and meet with all the constituents on the race course. I mean, the amount of work that goes into setting something like that up is enormous. And so the, the reality of it is, is that a lot of organizations think, great, I'm going to do a run and they lose money. Mm hmm. Right out of the gate, they lose money, and they and it's a major drain on staff, and it, it takes them away from their core mission, from their core purpose. And the core purpose is actually to do what their mission is. It's not, you know, it's not to produce events. You know, events are a necessary way to engage with your supporters, and it's a great way to raise money. But you've got to have smart techniques and smart strategies for how to do them effectively, and you also have to have the staying staying power because it takes a number of years to build something up before it actually gets the traction that it needs where you kind of feel like you're not pushing a big rock uphill anymore. Now, Tom, what are some of the different revenue streams or income streams you can expect at one of these run events? So the way that we do it is that uh, we take all of the um, event logistics and uh, high-level marketing and, and we shoulder that burden. We do that ourselves. And so... In order for us to be able to actually pay for the events, that means that we are also the keepers of the traditional per-person registration fee. But what we don't touch is we don't touch anything with regards to the donations. So anything that an organization is able to raise, that stays 100% with, with that participating cause. Um, what often happens then is that organizations will successfully find uh, not only runners and supporters that want to participate on their team because it's fun, but uh, they'll also get their corporate partners to come on board or they have individuals running on their team who work for a company where that company policy is that they will donation match whatever that individual raises for people that participate in these, in these causes. And then you've got organizations like Renee's, like the, you know, good name, the actual donation match where you have the ability to then further enhance your fundraising potential and your fundraising capability by doing incentivized fundraising campaigns. So um, there's a whole bunch of options and, and, and function, not functionalities, but there's a lot of optionality uh, around how you can gamify your participation in one of these things to really maximize your benefit from it. So the, the two primary Revenue streams for the nonprofits are sponsorship uh, and and obviously um, grants and fundraising, uh, individual peer-to-peer -peer fundraising. All right, we we, support. We've got Renee with us uh, here, one of our co-hosts on uh, Events with Benefits. So let's talk about uh, what Donation Match, how Donation Match fits into all of this, Renee, and some of your incentive programs. And maybe you can explain that to our listeners. 
Oh, sure. So actually, it was just last week that I was part of Tom's, um, one of Tom's launch events in San Diego, and we were able to help, you know, I think they were able to explain their program to some interested nonprofits, uh, but we also had a panel afterward where we did discuss uh, specific ways of using the non-cash donations, like what we help get at Donation Match. I think some of the best ideas that came out of that were to be able to offer incentives to people who raised a certain amount of money first, potentially. Um, I think we even talked about um, doing you know, raffles for people who raised at least a minimum amount. Uh, but there are certainly different ways of motivating the peer-to-peer -peer fundraising, which is what the nonprofits keep, um, as Tom said, 100% of um, when, they, you know, when they raise that um, cash beyond the registration. And I'm sure Tom may have some uh, other ideas that he's seen through all of his sports marketing experience and all the events he's ever been a part of. So I'd love to hear some more about that. Ooh, that's a big one. Um, <laughs> we've, uh, we've done some interesting things in my past career and my, in my life uh, doing big international sports events where we get involved with creating actual products that we sell um, so that the proceeds from the sale of those particular products, whether it's food and beverage, whether it's clothing, or uh, whether it's a souvenir or a memento, but but those products are then created specifically for the purpose of raising funds. Um, that's another pathway that is uh, certainly capable of being supported, um, you know, through what we're doing now with everyone. And what's really exciting now about today's world is that there's so many wonderful suppliers now that can basically print on demand. So that you don't have to take, you know, as a nonprofit organization, you don't have to take the inventory risk to do something like that that you used to uh, because the supply chain has gotten so quick that you can design something and put the nice picture up and run the campaign, but you then don't need to fulfill it until after the cash flows start coming in. And, and that means that the person that's waiting to receive the item for the good deed that they did, you know, they're not going to be waiting weeks and months. I mean, it's just a matter of days now. Uh, so that's certainly, certainly exciting. Uh, one of the things that the United Nations is working on right now is to actually influence the financial markets by creating investment vehicles where the, uh, with the management fees and the proceeds of those investment vehicles are actually then being diverted back to nonprofits that are doing good work in different places around the world. And so, uh, you know, we're... We're looking at a number of different innovative new ideas for how to move nonprofits away from the traditional sort of, you know, don't, from being so totally reliant on the traditional donation uh, slash grant, uh, you know, type of, of existence and type of survival. Uh, and I, I think a big part of that is is also an evolving mentality that that is taking place just through sheer necessity, which is that. For non the nonprofit organizations that are the most successful are the ones that think like for-profit organizations, right? Because at the end of the day, you've got costs and you've got revenue, and the revenue has got to be higher than the cost in order for you to fulfill your mission. And so it's, it is encouraging to see uh, the innovation that's taking place in the space and how creative people are getting now with, uh, with getting away from some of the older, more traditional fundraising models and really sort of getting more aggressive and thinking like, okay, my mission, my purpose actually delivers a benefit. What are the metrics behind those benefits? Who benefits? 
And then how do we monetize those benefits based on those metrics? Um, you know, I can give a couple of specific examples. Like, so the, uh, the state of California has a $19 billion per year cost related to childhood obesity. And they've done everything that they can think of over decades, and it's just not going away. That number is not going to change. So as an example, there's nonprofit organizations that, that we're involved with that are able to actually prove through years of data that their programs actually save money because they're creating healthy lifestyles and they're creating active, more, more health-conscious kids. And so we're really starting to take a look at how we take these these benefits, make them tangible, attach monetary value to them, and then find other ways to fund and 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 get the revenue streams into these organizations so they continue to can continue to do good. Tom, let's uh, let's just take a, a a city or town anywhere. Let's talk Great Falls, Montana, for fun. Now they want to have uh, they want to have a a fun run up there, and they've approached your company, Everyone. And again, for everyone listening today, it's spelled every W O N, so it's Everyone is the website. Uh, they've approached your company. Where do you start in your conversation with who who would be contacting you from Great Falls, Montana? Would it be the Chamber of Commerce? Would it be who the mayor? Who's calling? Or who are yeah. you reaching out to in those communities? Yeah, we, we reach out to the business leaders in, in, in any city. So uh, it would be the mayor's office. It could be the Chamber of Commerce. It could be the, uh, the Community Business Improvement District. It could be the school PTA board. It could be literally anyone who's heard of us who thinks that, you know, this is something that our community needs. Um, you know, the, the average community uh, town in America that's got over three, 400,000 people living in it is going to have like at least a four-digit number of nonprofits in that community. I mean, you know, there's, there's over, it's, I think it's close to 2 million nonprofits in the U S now. Uh, so, and, you know, San Diego, for example, has got 12,000 nonprofits, I believe in the San Diego region, San Francisco Bay area has got over 20,000. So, you know, you, you've got these, uh, communities that need to be supported. And, you know, our model is, is a way to think globally, but act locally. So when we come into a town, we will do all the organization to get the dates and the permits and the course and all that figured out. But only local nonprofits can participate in our event. So where we will work with the big national organization, like American Cancer Society is one of our clients in San Diego, uh, it's, they have a local office in San Diego. And so the money that's raised stays in that local community to continue to help improve the quality of life in that community. And because it's an annual competition, then it's a legacy program. So individuals, as well as businesses, as well as anyone that is in that community, the money stays there to improve the life of where they live. And so uh, literally, the, you know, the door's wide open uh, in terms of who we can deal with. I mean, when I was setting up um, Oakland and Berkeley, we literally just walked into the mayor's office on both, uh, in both of those cities and said, here's what we're doing. And uh, we want to get dates. Getting dates on the calendar is a different issue, uh, and th that takes some time. So that's why we need at least a year uh, lead time for any city that we open up if we want to do it right. If we want to be in the marquee location that's going to give the best photos, that's in that spot that is normally only reserved for the biggest, most successful marathons, uh, we need that amount of time. We can do it in six months or even less if we're doing something that's not necessarily the heart of the city. But, uh, you know, it, it's really just a matter of, um, 
people understanding the power of sport, realizing that this model is unique and, and that it generates real benefit back to local communities and, um, you know, that we're doing it for the right reasons. So you've picked a city, you've, uh, you've picked your date, and now uh, how do you reach out to the nonprofits in that community? How do you reach everybody to make it equitable? Yeah, so then we partner with, uh, we partner with uh, well, we, we find out basically who are the organizations that basically run the city, and we go meet with all of them. Um, and so we build a communication network through affiliates that have a vested interest in those communities. And then in terms of participation, it's, it's wide open. Any nonprofit in good standing in that region, in that, in that market, is open and eligible to participate. Is there a well, cost? Is there a cost to the nonprofits to participate? We charge a very small setup fee just to uh, get them onboarded. It's uh, $250, and that is their only out-of-pocket cost on our side. Um, the... Additional services that we offer, it's an a la carte menu, so we can help them as much or as little as they want us to. If they want us to just design their t-shirt for them, we will design their t-shirt for them. If they want us to create a special prize so they can have their own inner team competition, we'll support that. So all of the extra services that we do for them to support, we have to cover our cost to do that. But it's not mandatory to use our services. They can use their own designers. They can supply their own water bottles and give away T-shirts, and they can do all of that on their own. So we're really literally here to help as much or as little as they need us. The other big uh, item that's very important, the nonprofit organizations participating in our events are the only ones that are able to truly properly reach out to their base, to their constituents, and to their supporters. So they have to do the marketing. So they're effectively getting a... $50,000 event that they can put their name on it and market it like it's their own. And they don't have to worry about any of that responsibility and they don't have the staff time, but they have to do the marketing. They've got to mobilize their base. So they get that for a, a total initial investment of $250. They get to participate in a $50,000 event. So yep. now where can they make the money? So I'm the gonna, suppose I'm the local uh, uh, Big Brothers Big Sisters chapter. And yep. we paid our $250 to be part of this uh, run event in our city. And now where do we make our money? So now that you're in, you put your team together. So now you go out and market to your base and, and market to your supporters. And if you have partner organizations, uh, companies, you know, that you can partner with, you can run campaigns through those partners to mobilize the public and incentivize folks to come and participate on your team. Uh, everyone running on those teams is then peer-to-peer -peer fundraising for that particular cost. And what about sponsorships? What if we have our own sponsors? Likewise, stays with you. We support your sponsors. We'll, we'll help activate your sponsors for you and let them have the presence that they need to justify that investment. You know, names on T-shirts, uh, you know, locations where they can show off their product on the course, giveaways if they want to do that. Uh, we, we support all organizations bringing their own sponsors to the event. Wow, amazing idea. That's great. Yeah. How much, um, yeah, do you guys do, what are some other revenue streams? I know sponsorships, peer-to-peer -peer fundraising. Um, have you incorporated anything like fundraising raffles or uh, auctions even, silent auctions, anything like that? Not at our level. Uh, we encourage any and all creative ideas for each of the individual causes participating to take the initiative and, and do what they think will work as best, best for their constituents. 
um, you know, each group is going to have their own target demographic. And so everyone's going to have their own individual idea or strategy around what they think is going to work best for who they're trying to attract. Um, and so we don't limit that activity. What we do is we treat all of our uh, participants as true partners and we will market anything that they're doing throughout the entire year, even if it has nothing to do with us, we'll promote that through our social media channels to help magnify their voice. So we push creativity at every step of the way, and uh, there's a thousand different ways to do it. Um, for example, Surfrider is one of our partners, and they don't do that many events per year. Uh, they only have, now with us, uh, they have three events that they're doing. And I've uh, worked with them now um, for a few months to craft a strategy, not only looking at just what we're doing in 2017, but thinking about the whole everyone opportunity as a campaign that's going to run over multiple years. So this is what we're doing today, but then where do we want it to be in three years' time or five years' time? And so we're working on how to actually take their big gala event and take their paddleboarding event and then take this running event and create a consistent narrative across the year so that those things actually make sense even though they're quite different from one another. And then how do we gamify it and how do we make it fun and make it interesting so that people are not only excited about participating but they want to bring their friends and their family and they want to get more people involved going forward. Um, and so we'll support anything, whether it's raffles or whether it's costumes or whether it's um, – you know, inner team competitions. Uh, we 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 say yes to all good ideas. Great. Uh, so I know that going back to sponsorships, even uh, some of the brands that we work with on Donation Match and um, our sister company, Sampling for Good, actually tell us that they like working with larger events than some of the ones that they find individually in our system. So I would actually imagine that. Um, you know, if, if a single nonprofit were to come to them and say, oh, we've got a small run and we have maybe three, 400 people coming, that may not necessarily garner the attention or the commitment as if they were to be able to say, you know what, we're doing this everyone 5K and there are going to be two, 3,000 people there potentially. Um, do you have any sponsorships or, or do you handle any sponsorships as an event itself, as an umbrella, or uh, would you actually encourage the nonprofits to then be able to sell almost a larger audience to the ones they're individually reaching out to? Yeah, that's, exa that's exactly right. Uh, that, that's the, that is the concept. It's economies of scale in all boats, right? It'll, the rising tide lifts all boats. Um, so, you know, a typical first year 5K run will get two or 300 people, right? Um, so getting involved with our project, you know, if we've got 20, 30, 40, 50, 100, 500 causes participating, it's a way for the numbers to be bigger so that it is more attractive to sponsors, number one. Number two, it's more attractive to media because you've got just more people participating, so press is more interesting in covering it. And, uh, and number three, it's a very low-risk way for an organization. Let, let's imagine that one of our partners actually does build their own individual participation up to two or 3,000 people. Well, at that point, you know, okay, now we can spin off. And now we can actually safely, without any risk, create our own event just for us on our own date. Right? And so uh, economies of scale is everything in this Um our vision is to expand this. Uh, originally, prior to this whole UN thing coming up, 
our uh, our vision was to be the you know the brand within the running space that is like rock and roll or Tough Mudder or Spartan, but be the brand that's really all about community give back and philanthropy. All of those other events do a great job with philanthropy, but it's their secondary purpose. It's not the reason why they exist. Rock and roll is about the music. Tough Mudder and Spartan Race is about survival. Color Run is about getting messy with pain. Mm -hmm. Everyone is about community give back. And so we want to be we want to be able to be in multiple cities across the country so that we can support national causes. We can support national sponsorship so that we know before we even open a city that we've got brands standing behind us and we've got big organizations that have multiple offices ready to go so that from day one, those events are bigger, which then benefits all those little, medium and small sized nonprofits in the local community that can immediately tap into a big event and be part of something that's got buzz behind it. Now we're not there yet, but that's our vision, and that's where we're headed. So, uh, you know, we're we're only our, in our at near the end of our second year. So by the time we get to year five, I think we're going to be pretty close to achieving some of those goals and objectives about creating the kind of scale that's needed to really attract the attention of of local or national, regional, and local sponsors as well as nonprofit organizations. So, Tom, the business model over the next say two or three years, what do you expect the size to be for your typical event that uh, everyone? will be organizing? Well, uh, I we have uh, expected that by year three that all of our events will be at 5,000 plus by year three. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's really our goal. Um, and then after that, the sky's the limit. Uh, once you get past that hurdle, once you get to an event that's got that number of people participating, then it really, the, the social dynamics really start to kick in. And at the end of the day, when you get a few more years into it, you get to year five, year six, you're starting to think about what is the capacity of our course and when are we actually sold out? You know, there's, there's nothing stopping this from, you know, these events from being very big. And once we can get to that level, then we start adding in all of the other things that kind of go around it that really further enhance the festival atmosphere, which is like the, you know, the big um, expo and the festival that could happen the day before we start getting into live music you know, we start getting into actual conferences and seminars, very similar to what we just did last Friday that Renee participated in, where we're, we're bringing in keynote speakers and doing symposiums on, on uh, creative fundraising and creative peer-to-peer engagement and how to prevent donor attrition and, and maintain that conversation with individuals so they don't disappear and, and jump to the next cause. Uh, you can retain more of who you're dealing with. Um, we've got some big plans, but step by step, um, we first would like to see ourselves in six or eight new cities by the end of 2018, uh, and then just go from strength to strength as we, um, you know, expand what we're doing and expand the model. And look, we don't have it figured out either. Here's the other thing. I mean, our first event last year that we did, you know, we learned a tremendous amount from our nonprofit partners, um, you know, from our community constituents. And uh, we made a bunch of changes to evolve the model and make sure that we're not also thinking that we've got it figured out, Um, you know, that we're constantly adapting and, uh, you know, and and making sure that we're doing something that's going to work for the location that we are in. Um, It's very important that this localized concept really fit the culture and fit the, um, the needs of the community that we go to. 
And luckily, because we're still small and flexible, we can do that. Tom, I'd like to ask you, one of the issues facing a lot of nonprofits at this moment in time is that uh, a lot of their traditional supporters uh, are now maybe aging. There is a little attrition there, and that older wave of uh, support that they had is moving on out. And in broad strokes, what do nonprofits today need to be doing to attract a younger demographic of giver into their fold? Well, I think everybody knows they've got to be digital. And so being up to speed on uh, the latest and greatest with regards to digital communication, especially with regards to mobile handheld devices, is critical. Uh, That's number one. Number two is that, um, you know, I feel and have believed for a very long time that, uh, you know, events and event marketing is so successful because, you know, auctions and just giving donations. I mean, that that's the kind of thing that older people do because they've got the ability to take the tax advantage for doing it. If you want to get younger people engaged, you need to make it fun. You need to make it exciting. You need to do it in a way that's going to allow them to be proud of what they're posting on social media and want their friends to think that it's cool with what they're doing. And that's where events are so powerful is you know is that you have the ability to provide an experience that is linked directly to the philanthropic activity. So it's not just philanthropy for the sake of philanthropy and it's not just an event for the sake of an event. You're combining different sort of key emotional drivers into one basket. And uh, so you know I in all of our time going through this now uh, have counseled dozens of nonprofits and we're constantly pushing this um, this message of innovation and efficiency if something's not generating the returns that it used to then it's time to innovate and you know there's only so many hours in a day every nonprofit that we work with whether they're big or small is challenged with their resources there's always too much to do with too little time and too little money and so uh, we really push the whole sort of efficiency, streamlining, and and in in particular innovation, and that includes you know seeking out and partnering with innovative strategic partners that can help you be more efficient in in the goal that you're trying to reach. And I use companies like Donation Match as that example, or like Live Well San Diego or Mission Edge. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of really great innovative resources that are out there now. And I think organizations just need to, uh, you know, be be open to rapid change. I don't think it's uh, it's no longer an option. You've got to be open to the rapid change for sure. Well, Tom, this has been an excellent conversation. People that want to continue uh, this dialogue, how can they reach you? We're at everyone.org. That's every W-O-N.org. Uh, that's the best way to do it. And um, if anyone wants to participate uh, in San Diego, uh, December 10th this year, registration's open. Plenty of time for nonprofits to still sign up. Um, give us a call. We would love to uh, sit down and learn what your organization is trying to achieve and, and uh, put our best foot forward to help you achieve that mission. All right. Well, uh, this has been very engaging for sure. Uh, we always like to ask our guests, do you have a special offer that you might consider offering to our listeners on events with benefits? Yeah, absolutely. We're excited to uh, announce that we have a promo code that we just created that's active. It's one word, donation match. 
and that will be good for 20% off of the uh, registration team sign-up fee, uh, that, that setup fee that we have to charge. That's a uh, $50 discount, basically. So uh, we'll have that good until the end of October. That's substantial for sure. Well, we thank you very much. Our guest today has been Tom Houston from uh, Every One. That's every W O N. Is it dot org? Dot org. org. All right. And uh, we hope that uh, lots of our listener, listeners will uh, be reaching out to you, Tom. We thank you very much for joining us today, all the way from the United Nations in Switzerland. You're over there on some business. And uh, we wish you all the best with the rest of your trip. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate you having me on. Thanks for listening to the show this week. For show notes, special offers, or to listen to previous episodes, you can visit us at eventswithbenefits.com. Please also consider subscribing to our podcast on iTunes. And if you enjoyed the show, do us a favor and write us a review while you're there. If you have any questions or feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at hosts at eventswithbenefits.com. We'll see you next time. Hey.